Hi everyone, Dan Cassidy here. Welcome back to our planning podcast series on the UBS Conversations podcast channel with the UBS Advanced Planning team. Today we are joined by Advanced Planning Senior Wealth Strategist Christine Colm. On today's segment, Christine will discuss cognitive aging and the signs that could indicate cognitive decline and the planning you should have in place to prepare for this stage of life. Now for some context about the team, the Advanced Planning Group here at UBS consists of former practicing estate planning and tax attorneys with extensive private practice experience and diverse areas of specialization, including estate planning strategies, income and transfer tax planning, family office structuring, business succession planning, charitable planning, and family governance. They provide comprehensive planning and sophisticated insights and education to ultra-high net worth clients. Christine, first want to welcome you back to the podcast. Thank you very much for joining Joining us to provide some color and guidance around this very important topic uh, where proactive planning can go a long way and make a big difference. So great to be with you today, Christine. I'm happy to be here. I'm glad I can do this with you. There is a lot we do want to cover, and this piece, of course, will serve very well for our listeners and clients. As a starting point, Christine, can you speak to the foundational estate planning documents that people should have in place? Yes, yes. I will say at the outset that planning is important, especially when we're dealing with cognitive aging. We often talk about in estate planning wills and trusts and how uh, what will happen to your, your estate upon your death and how people will receive your assets and whether it's in a trust or outright or percentages or particular pieces of property. But then the second part of the estate planning and the foundational documents are your powers of attorney. And a lot of people will treat these as ancillary documents. Oh, you know, just tell me who your agents are. We put X, Y, and Z in place. However, these documents are so important because they speak for you when you cannot. So when you no longer have a voice or your voice no longer makes sense, these documents go a long way in helping your family help you as you're going through that cognitive aging. And part of those powers of attorney is a healthcare power or an advanced healthcare directive that can express your final wishes. To give you an example, the year after I got married, my husband's father was quite ill and he was in the hospital, in and out of the hospital. He got to the point where he had dementia, he had Parkinson's, he was on a tube, and he was really at the end of life. And the family came together and decided to let him go. Now, in this situation, what your documents provide will become important if there's an argument between the family members as to what happens to you next. Whereas in this situation, everyone was in agreement. It was time for him to go and they let him go. But then fast forward another eight or 10 years and my husband and I are taking my daughter through First Communion. And through First Communion, we got to the stage where the priest came and said to us, okay, 
your children are now going to go through confession. And after they go through confession, the parents are going to go through confession. Now, this is the first time I had ever been to confession. I grew up a Southern Baptist, so being in a Catholic church was new to me. So speaking to a person rather than uh, the way I was taught in, in Southern Baptist churches, it was quite different. But after we went through confession, I was sitting there with my husband and asking him, so what was your experience like? How did that happen? What did you talk about? And to my surprise, he asked to be forgiven for letting his father die. He'd been carrying that guilt for seven or eight years and was finally able to let it go when he went through confession. That's what I see as the importance of these documents. What you can do is with these documents is let people know how you feel. You will never relieve the grief of loss, but through these documents, you can relieve a lot of the guilt with the decisions that come along with that final stage of your life. So, Christine, from the sounds of it, early on preparation, having an inventory of the documents required sounds quite critical in order to prevent or even offset complications and difficult circumstances among surviving family members down the road. Though, Christine, what happens if these documents, estate planning documents, are not in place? That can raise a lot of difficulty. If you don't have documents in place, then you don't have something that comes from that person as to what should happen with themselves and their estate. So we have to go through the legal process then. That means there's a guardianship or there's a conservatorship, which is the legal process of managing somebody's estate. And I mentioned guardianship and conservatorship because they are called different things in different states. But when we're talking about adults, it could be either or, depending on the state you're in. But that means we're going to have a lot of court oversight as to expenditures and how things are managed within the estate, along with annual accountings. You could have family members that aren't happy with what you're doing and could petition the court. It, it can be really messy and very expensive. So having those documents give you a chance to keep things orderly and make sure your final wishes, again, are respected. Well, thank you, Christine, for that guidance on what to avoid and what unpreparedness can result in, especially during an already difficult time. Now, early detection is very critical, Christine, I'm sure, as you know. What are some of the signs to look for with respect to cognitive aging? Of course, the common things that people think about, lapses in memory and confusion. I remember with my mother when she started to, in the early stages of dementia, she would repeat things to me within the same 15 minutes as if she was saying it to me for the first time. Things that are a little bit more subtle are, you know, seeing that this person is paying their bills twice or not paying their bills at all like they used to. One of the things that keyed us off for my father was he started losing things, which is common. We all lose things, but we would find them in odd places. He lost his car keys and we found them in the freezer. You know, these are things where, okay, that's not just putting it down. That's being confused as to where it goes. And then for us that have loved ones that can have access to computers and do things online, they will often see something where what is 
obvious to us is spam or phishing, and we will see that person going through and clicking links to emails, which can really compromise their financial well-being and their identity. Well, Christine, appreciate you sharing some of your personal experiences with your family and some of the early warning signs to be mindful of so that loved ones can take the proper action. So, Christine, what should people be thinking about moving forward? Well, I think, first of all, if you don't have an escape plan, please move forward and put one together. Putting one in place not only helps you, but helps your loved ones, helps your family, helps your circle of friends to help you out as this cognitive decline begins. You also want to look at how old are your powers of attorney. There are some states that have rules that will say that certain powers of attorney must be accepted. Some banks don't like to accept powers of attorney that are more than three to five years old. So you want to look back and see how old are they and is it time to renew them. Another thing you want to do is look at your powers of attorney and make sure that they have the HIPAA provisions. You know, HIPAA is that act where you go and you sign a document every time you go to the doctor regarding your privacy. That is a provision to protect you and protect your health information. So you want to make sure that your agent has the powers necessary to access information for your benefit. So making sure those HIPAA provisions in there. It's always a good idea to review your choice of agents. You know, often we have our spouse or our significant other listed as an agent followed by maybe a friend or a sibling. But, you know, as your children start to become adults, sometimes people will forget to put their children in. And then you have an uncle possibly having a power over your parent and the decision-making power because they never updated their documents to say, my adult children can now be the agents under my power of attorney. You also want to know, where are your documents? Can they be easily found? So a lot of times people will put them in the safe deposit box. That's not necessarily the best place to put them because you may only find a key and you don't know where that key goes to or which bank. So having them secure is important, but also making sure they can be easily found. So if you are putting them in a safe deposit box, make sure family members have access to that safe deposit box and that they know it's in the safe deposit box. I also think you should give a copy of your powers of attorney to your named agents and your loved ones, and especially your medical team. Your primary care physician should have a copy of it. Well, Christine, very helpful tips there and a list of considerations that will serve our listeners, our clients very well in this context. Of course, with respect to our clients, the conversation does not end today. We do, of course, encourage you to have a follow-up conversation with your UBS financial advisor with any follow-up questions based on what you've heard today from Christine Colm, as well as to better understand the resources available to you here at UBS, uh, which can be of assistance in this context. Though, Christine, it was very nice catching up with you today on UBS Conversations. Thank you again for your time, your guidance. Really appreciate you joining our listeners and their clients. Absolutely. And if you have any questions, please, please feel free to reach out to your advanced planning specialist. We are here for you. We are here to help you understand and answer questions for you.
Thank you, Christine. Appreciate it. Again, today we have been joined by Christine Combe, Advanced Planning, Senior Wealth Strategist. This has been another episode of the Planning Podcast Series on the UBS Conversations podcast channel. From UBS Studios, I'm Dan Cassidy. Thank you for joining us. Neither UBS Financial Services, Inc. nor any of its employees provide tax or legal advice. You should consult with your personal tax or legal advisor regarding your personal circumstances. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services, Inc. offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC-registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC-registered broker-dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that you understand the ways in which we conduct business and that you carefully read the agreement and disclosures that we provide to you about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review Client Relationship Summary provided at UBS.com forward slash Relationship Summary or ask your UBS Financial Advisor for a copy.